Play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Summer, summer, summertime. And it's Ratchet. Yes, it is. It's a Ratchet. We are here, guys. It's a new week of Let Your Voice Be Heard. Selena's got a rope chain around her neck, and Alyssa is helping me through a difficult hangover. Oh, and I'm I'm also wearing Clothes Rikers t-shirt, so shout yes, out to Darren yes. Mack. Shout out to the plug. Guys, this is an interesting adventure we're in today. If you've been listening so far, you may have noticed a couple of interesting things happen. And when I say interesting, I actually mean things. So Right. <laughs> okay, good morning, everyone, what? and welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard, Why where Stanley I... opens the show with m- m- ramblings that sometimes don't make a lot of sense. But we are here at WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. This is where we broadcast our live shows every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then, of course, we drop the podcast. If you are listening via podcast, shout out to you. And um, yeah, happy Sunday, guys. You know, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard, where we talk politics, foreign policy, and social justice from a millennial perspective. And Stanley's alcohol habit. Right. And Stanley may need an AA meeting. No, I'm just kidding. But he is hungover. But you know what? We appreciate Stanley for pushing through, you regardless no, of your hangover. You have no proof that I'm hungover. Stanley, you text us. This morning, saying I'm hungover. Say you That's were coerced. Proof. Say you were coerced. I was coerced. I do, I can't, <laughs> Alyssa. Please stop giving him yeah. legal advice <laughs> on yeah. how to like. He self-incriminated himself, and obviously, Alyssa's you know who a else lawyer. did that? Donald Trump Jr. Yeah. Before we get to that, let's introduce ourselves because we have a lot to talk about on Let Your Voice Be Heard today. My name is Selena Hill. On Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Miss Selena Hill, and I spell Miss with an MS. And just so everyone knows, I had a very exciting weekend. On Friday, I took a professional cooking class with Chef Robert Ramsey with a group of people. It was like going on a big group date where we actually learned how to make a lot of really special dishes, and I'm very excited about no making them at home. Stanley! And then yesterday, I was in the Hamptons at Russell Simmons Art oh my for gosh, Life she's event. so fancy. Um, Chuck D gave a phenomenal performance. He performed uh, Fight the Power. Obviously, he also performed um, Shut It Down. You know, as a hip-hop fan, I was just definitely uh, relishing in all that was last night. And you know who also was there? DJ Tony Touch was on the um, ones and twos. DJ Nice was there. DJ DJ MOS was there. Like, it was a great time. Stanley, do we get invited to these parties? Because the last (laughs) night I checked, she didn't ask us if we wanted to go to the Hamptons. I didn't know you got... First of all, Stanley... Stanley was drunk out of his mind last night, so he there, did not no want to go to... Stanley, it's on your Insta snap. It's on you your Insta story. You don't see me being drunk there. You just see people doing splits, and it was amazing. I'm going to learn how to I do mean, that. Listen, I went out last night to the West Village, and I went to one of my favorite bars. Um, it's a dive bar, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, because then you're all going to go there, and then it's going to screw it up for everybody, but it's like a piece of old New York that White still oh, exists, nice. and it's really hard to you know and it's in a basement and my friend and i have a joke that it's where you go to avoid all the racist people nice oh let's introduce yourself oh hi yeah i'm Alyssa fuchs i am your political and legal correspondent mostly legal correspondent although i do talk politics um you can find me on facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa fuchs that's Alyssa with an i i l y s s a because i'm fancy and you can also find me on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs, same spelling, or you can leave a message on the Politically Preposterous fan page, which is facebook.com slash politically preposterous or poll preposterous on Twitter. And we are trying to get some live stream up for you, but 
Can't promise that's going to happen. All right, Stanley, last but not least, you awake over there? Yeah. I'm going to, like, I just hey want to tase you to, like, shake you up a little bit. That's one of the good things about this studio. Guys, we're in a different studio today. So we're at WHCR, but we're in our um, emergency um, studio. And because of that, Selena, Alyssa, and I are not all sitting together in one space. Like, they're separated from me. I actually kind of like this. Yeah, because I I'm can't safe really from <laughs> Selena's crazy glares and hits. Um, I'm still going to glare. Oh, God. I just can't hit you someone help me all right guys but i am stanley fitz i'm your favorite engineer on a pc one twos and maybe even a piano one <laughs> two, because what? apparently that's on the board i don't know but guys you can follow me on instagram at stan fritz you can follow me on facebook at stanley fritz you can follow me on twitter at stan fritz and you can also follow me on dark skins i mean dark skin swindle you can follow me on snapchat on guess what stan just kidding nope dark skin swindle where i put up snaps from last night and you get to see all the amazing people that were there at the barbecue the christian barbecue that i was <laughs> Wait, were you guys like passing around holy water yeah, yeah, yeah. You can call it that. Um, lots of lots and lots of holy water and shots of holy water and. Uh, right, right. Yeah. And Stanley was speaking in gibberish, which he's gonna call speaking in tongues. Right. Yes, I was. <laughs> Thank you. You get it. You know what was happening. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, guys. So we have a great show uh, lined up, and you know how Stanley just made that up. I mean, we saw the evidence that he posted on his social media, but you see how he's telling us something different. That sort of reminds us of the Trump administration because for the last couple months they have been saying there's no evidence. We have not been colluding with Russia. It's a completely preposterous statement, and, and these allegations are just coming out of nowhere. It's a big hoax, and then Donald Trump. Trump Jr. dropped a bomb. And by a bomb, I mean he released very incriminating emails that he was going back and forth with with Russian officials. Uh, he apparently had these meetings with Russian officials, and it was about how to help the Trump campaign beat Hillary Clinton by exposing very negative uh, things about her. So there, it's there. It's there. So we've definitely reached a new peak in Russia Gate. That's like half of my segment. Right? Oh, I'm sorry, Stanley. I mean, I no, okay, I'm, I'm wrapping up now. So we are <laughs> going to be talking about Russia Gate today. Uh, and then later on, we're going to be talking about the healthcare 3.0 bill, you know. <laughs> the still, still awful. Yeah, still very awful. Um, I think uh, John McCain announced last night, excuse me, um, Mitch McConnell announced last night that they will be uh, delaying a vote on it because John McCain's health and I every vote counts so we're still going to talk about how horrible it is and then last but not least since we are on this kick of talking about the trump administration and how horrible they are we're going to talk about betsy devos and how she is trying to roll back regulations that obama passed that would protect students from predatory colleges Alyssa will be giving us a quickie on that um I think you just gave the yeah so i mean it. just to give you a little breakdown and i'll tell you more later on which is 18 states as selena said are suing the department of education and secretary DeVos, um, and they are essentially arguing that the government exceeded their authority to be able to roll back these rules. On the other hand, there's actually like a competing lawsuit where some of these for-profit colleges are actually suing the government, saying that the Obama administration exceeded their rules when they did this. So there's kind of like a competing thing going on. It's going to be really interesting to see how it all pans out, and we will definitely get to that later on today during today's show. Absolutely, guys. And if you like what you are listening to, tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio and let us know how much you like the show. I'm not be getting many tweets today. Well, they can be <laughs> listening via podcast and they can still tweet us. You didn't get that joke, did you? I did get it, Stanley. No, she didn't. 
All right, guys. Let me tell you how awesome I am going to be today. I am going to be telling you all about the cool things Donald J. Trump Jr. did. And I think I might be as dumb as he is, so it's going to be really interesting. But Selena, wrap us up so I can go to break. Definitely. So, guys, of course, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. Again, keep those tweets coming at BeHeard underscore radio. Uh, Alyssa, are we live streaming we via Facebook? We are live streaming. Okay, awesome. On so our guys, Facebook page. Yes, yeah, so leave comments on Facebook. We are taking live live comments right now so you can leave that there facebook.com slash let your voice be heard i'm gonna share it on my personal page stanley's gonna share it as well stay tuned guys we're going on a quick break when we come back we're talking about donald trump jr's email scandal yay we are back on let your voice be heard on 90.3 fm WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Are you just tuning in? Are you just hearing this conversation? Are you just listening to the show? Well, you have perfect timing because we are all here and we are all excited and we are going to have a Except for that great- loser, Jackie. Yeah. Well, Jackie couldn't be here today because we're, like we said, we're recording in a smaller studio and she would have had to sit on Alyssa's lap so we and share the so same mic. <laughs> like, oh. Ben, watch out. I'm coming for your girl. Uh-oh. But if we have, but I, mean, I think she can fit. I think she can fit in here. Yeah, maybe she could fit in here, but I mean, like, would she be comfortable? I don't know. Yeah, we can have this conversation in the post-production. No <laughs> one cares about, <laughs> right? like, our shop talk. No, I you care know about who, Jackie being here. You know here. who's pretty uncomfortable? Donald Trump Jr. Donald Trump is not just uncomfortable. He's really stupid. And and I don't use that word a lot. Actually, I do. <laughs> Stanley, you use that word once every five minutes. Yes, but talking about Donald Trump. So here's what we know about this situation right now. So Donald Trump Jr. got an email from um, a former... A former um, Russian tabloid writer turned publicist. And in the email, the email said, hey, I want to meet up with you because I have some incriminating information that's a part of Russia and its government support of Donald Trump on Hillary. And I think you would like it. And Donald Trump Jr. says, if it's true, I'll love it, especially for later this summer. Let's set up a meeting. And then after saying that, he forwards the email to... Donald Trump's top advisor, Jared Kushner, and his campaign manager, Paul Manafort, who all meet with this person. They all go to that meeting, right? So that happens back in July. Back in July, we'll say July 6, 2016. That's when that happened, so about a year ago. And then, you know, Donald Trump wins the election. We're all depressed. Stanley starts drinking heavily. Selena goes deeper into prayer. Alyssa... (laughs) Alyssa Seriously? Alyssa... (laughs) Alyssa... Starts punching things and moves from her neighborhood. And <laughs> Jackie continues to be a loser. This is what happens. And then all of a sudden, early this week, Stanley goes for a week-long retreat for his job. And he thinks to himself, nothing crazy can happen while I'm gone. It's only going to be four days. And then the first thing I hear that Monday, Donald Trump Jr. has an email. And then he says, oh, yeah, I met with a Russian official. We were just talking about adoption, which is actually code for sanctions in Russia. And everyone knows this. It's code for sanctions because when America first put sanctions on Russia, they ended an adoption program. So anytime they want to talk about getting those sanctions lifted or any sanctions lifted, they say adoptions. That's their code word. Everyone knows that. And he says that's all that happened. And then a day later, he he puts out a new statement. And he says, hey, guys, uh... So what happened was this. The person told me that they had information on Russia and I wanted to get that information. But then when I met with them, all they did was talk about adoption. So it was a waste of a time. So then we were like, wait a minute. You really met with this person so that you could get information on Hillary Clinton from Russia? 
and you didn't tell the government about this? And then he was like, well, anyone in that situation would have done that. And actually, that's not the case. No, they would not have done that. When Al Gore was running against George Bush and someone sent him a tape of George Bush debate prep, they sent it in. And the person that got the tape recused himself from the debate prep. Things like this do not happen. Mitt Romney, when he was first running against Obama, he got this really salacious tape that demonized Reverend Wright and made Obama look like he was a a socialist Kenyan. He sent the tape away. He did not take it. So now, all of a sudden, you're getting a tape from somebody from a country that's clearly our enemy. You're getting potential information from our clear enemy. And you say, if it's what I think, I'll love it. Problem. But then the plot thickens. (laughs) Big problem. Big problem in Little Russia. The, 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 the plot thickens, though, because with, when you're dealing with people this ignorant, it can only get dumber. <laughs> so then New York Times is like, hey, Donald, we know what happened. You should stop lying. So Donald Trump, in order to cover his own tracks or just because he does not know how to think about things, puts all of the emails on Twitter <laughs> and doesn't even scratch out the names in the, like, in the, in the sender list. So... You know how we know he forwarded the email to Paul Manafort and Jared Kushner? It's in the email. He didn't even erase it. And in the email, we also see that it says, hey, this is information that Russia sent us because Russia is trying to make you your father win the election. It's in the email. It also implicates Donald Trump's assistant. It is so beyond dumb. It Like, my head hurts. Go ahead. So, well, I don't know if it was a dumb idea for Donald Jr. to release the email on his own terms well, because the New York Times or a publication was going to release it. And by him doing that first, I think that it gave him the chance to sort of n- sort of control the narrative. I'll disagree with that because, I mean, just from a legal perspective, um, there's several issues going on here that could become problematic. Number, But, but just to address specifically what you just said, Donald Trump Sr. is, generally speaking, his thing is when the New York Times or the Washington Post or some other news outlet publishes something that he doesn't like that's not favorable to him, he calls it fake news. He says, oh, it's fake, it's fake, it's fake. So had Donald Trump Jr. not published those emails um, on his own, then they could have turned around and actually said that the emails weren't real. Or they could have disclaimed them and said that it was fake news and that the whole thing was fabricated and that the New York Times couldn't prove or authenticate the emails. Now, the New York Times may actually been able to authenticate those emails through their sources. Um, But because they were trying to keep some of their sources anonymous, that may have proved to be difficult for them to publicly be able to authenticate them. So by him tweeting them out, he actually proved that they were authentic and that they were real and that that it occurred. And so they lost the opportunity to be able to twist the narrative and call them fake news. But from a legal perspective, it's problematic, potentially problematic for him um, because now he has essentially admitted to breaking campaign finance law. Um, and so I can get into that now or I can get into it later. Uh, let's, let's, let's hold off on that for just a little bit. But, yeah, we, de- we definitely do want to get So I'm going to come back to that in a little while. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, so essentially by him tweeting them out, though, he may have admitted to a crime when he otherwise would have been able to plead the fifth. And as I said, I'll, I'll get into more the legal aspect of that later on in this conversation. Exactly. So I just want to point that out. But, like, yeah, so that this is the point that we're at now. He released the emails pretty much incriminating him and proving that the Trump the Trump campaign team, at least the campaign manager and Trump's top advisor, knew that Russia was trying to, to, to sabotage the election in his favor, pretty much messing up Donald Trump's lie that this whole Russia thing is fake news. And now we sit here with Jared Kushner, who is working for the White House and has top-level security clearance, and Paul Manafort, who everyone knew was working for the Russian government for months now, walking around here as free men, Republicans lying, 
and us sitting here confused. So in this segment, guys, besides just being shocked at this kind of information, we're going to talk about what happens next, what the Republicans are doing, if they're going to do anything at all, what this means for the Trump administration, and who could or is going to jail. That's where we're at. So, guys, I was kind of, like, locked in a training, like, trainings all week, literally, like, 12, 13-hour days, no phone. So it was really hard to get this information. But I know you guys were thankfully not, like, as occupied as I was. When you first saw this, when you, when you, so I'll start with you, Alyssa, because I know, like, you get as upset about this stuff as I do. Um, when you first saw this, what was the first thing that came to your mind when, like, the first piece of news about this trickled out? Um, the first thing that came to my mind was, what an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot. And like, because it's not really shocking to me um, because, you know, we've had a lot of circumstantial evidence that there was collusion or that there was at least um, attempted collusion, I'll call it. Um, so it wasn't really a shock to me to actually hear this news. What I, th- what was, I thought was really shocking was that he actually tweeted them out himself, as I said before. Um, the other thing about it that I guess I find shopping is that Jared Kushner still has his security clearance. Um, because in all of this, um, he, I think, is the one facing the most legal liability, potentially. That's, of course, assuming that daddy doesn't pardon everybody, which is sort of a separate issue. But in theory, if these people got convicted and Donald Trump didn't get impeached, uh, then he could just turn around and pardon Jared Kushner and pardon his son for these alleged crimes. Um, But to me, you know, Jared Kushner being in that meeting um, is really problematic because that means he lied or at least misled on his standard form 86, which is another legal issue that I'm going to get into later on. Um, But I think the thing that I found the most interesting before I throw it to Selena is this. The week that they were having the meeting, Donald Trump was doing campaign rallies and he was saying at these campaign rallies, we're going to have really, really interesting dirt on Hillary Clinton on Monday. On Monday, we're going to have some dirt on Clinton for you. And this was at the very, very same time that Kushner and Manafort and Donald Trump Jr. were having the meeting with the Russian lawyer. So that seems to indicate that Donald Trump Sr., may have known that this meeting was going on and that the Russians were trying to offer information because otherwise, why would he have been at campaign rallies saying, I'm going to have interesting information and dirt on Hillary Clinton for you on Monday? You know, so this still, while it answers a lot of questions, raises a lot more questions than it answers as well. Yeah, it's like it, like Alyssa said, it raised so many questions for me. Um, I think there's a couple of things that we know for sure at this point. Uh, Number one, they've been lying. You know, it's not just allegations. We're not just right, right, right. No no one is shocked at that. But now we know, like, we can't trust our government. Obviously, as progressives, as liberals, we never trusted Donald Trump because we know his track record. But now, you know, it's like it's there, and you can't even deny it. Uh, We know that regardless of you know. If this was incriminating, that the fact that uh, Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort were taking these meetings, uh, we'll find out if they will face any uh, real repercussions. But the fact that they were even taking meetings with Russian officials, like their objective was to work with the Russian government, that is something that we know. Uh, another thing that we definitely know is that um, 
they weren't even surprised like in the email chain they weren't even surprised that the russians were offering uh evidence uh, well offering um some uh, data that would have put hillary clinton in a very compromising light like they were like oh okay sure let's meet so like it's a lot of things that i think can no longer be denied here whether you're on the left or the right and i mean this thing is just unfolding and unpacking almost like watergate at this point Oh, think, the right will still find a way to deny yeah, it. They are denying it. So, Alyssa, who's going to jail for this? Okay, so on the legal, I, yeah, honestly, nobody. Um, but, you know, realistically, who should go to jail? So you have several things going on. Um, like I said, Donald Trump Jr. may be in some trouble. Um, and that's because there is a campaign finance law. It's an FEC uh, law, which essentially says that you cannot take a thing of value in, uh, in exchange, uh, like from a foreign national during an election. So uh, um, a thing of value is usually considered to be money or but it could also be a good and a good could be opposition research most people will agree that opposition research or dirt on another another candidate especially the candidate you're running against is something of value um, I don't know if that's an element of the crime that people would disagree about um, and the second part of it is that you have to take this thing of value or um, from a foreign national um, so just by the fact that this email was very very clear that it was a Russian government connected lawyer it said that in the email so it's not as if Donald Trump jr. could say I didn't know she was a Russian government lawyer um, because the email literally laid that out um, and they were offering a thing of value in that they were offering this piece of opposition research um, and so that may be right there a violation of campaign finance law the problem is that's not the kind of law that you violate that carries a really hefty penalty and that's why I said Jared Kushner may be in more trouble and the reason why Jared Kushner may be more in trouble is because when Jared Kushner obtained his security clearance or went about going to attain his, obtain his security clearance, he had to fill out what's called Standard Form 86. Standard Form 86 is the government's form for people to obtain a security clearance. And on this form, it makes very, very clear in multiple places throughout the form, because I actually went and looked at the form. I read through a 120-page form. Um, and multiple times, over and over and over again, it tells you that lying or misleading or misrepresenting on Standard Form 86 is a felony punishable by up to five years in prison. And guess what Jared Kushner left off Standard Form 86 when he filled it out? He left off this meeting. Um, and so that means that in theory, he could potentially be prosecuted for lying or misrepresenting on Standard Form 86 and therefore go to jail for five years. But he said he forgot. Um, I mean, so that's that's basically going to be his defense is like, I forgot. And that's what they're going to have to look into. The prosecutors and the special prosecutor, Robert Mueller, are going to be looking into whether this is a oopsie or whether there was some <laughs> malicious intent. And that's going to be really the hardest part about the whole thing to prove, whether he just oops, forgot or whether he intended to leave this off. Um, you know, I don't know how you really yeah, prove, how do you what prove was that. In his, head except for maybe a lie detector test but then there's some, uh, you know without getting into a lot of details about that lie detector tests have been held in certain circumstances to not be admissible in courts of law because they're not always 100% accurate and so we wouldn't want to convict somebody on you know less than a reasonable doubt type evidence um, but I guess that's going to be up to a jury at some point down the road if he gets charged. Screw, if is a big if. Screw that. Send them to Rikers. All right, guys. We will be right back after this break. When we do come back, we'll be talking about more Donald Trump Jr. and his stupid coalition of Republicans. I know you know that I made those mistakes maybe once or twice. And by once or twice, I mean maybe a couple of hundred times. 
So let me, oh let me redeem, oh redeem on myself tonight Cause I just need We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill and, of course, Alyssa Fuchs. And we are talking about Donald Trump Jr.'s big mess up or his dry snitch. If you are just tuning in, you probably don't know that Donald Trump was talking with Russian people people from Russia who had information on Hillary Clinton in their ongoing campaign to undermine her run for president. And when we just left the second, we were asking who was going to jail, and Alyssa pretty much told us that Jared Kushner is in serious trouble for lying on some of his government forms. But now we want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the orange man in the White House, Donald Trump. What was the likelihood, guys, that he knew about this meeting, that his campaign manager or his top aide or his son did not tell him about this meeting, Selena. Well, before you do that, I just want to say everyone who's watching us via live stream, thank you so much. If you have a question or comment, feel free to leave that comment in the comment section. We will be taking them. Um, so in my mind, it was a hundred like he a hundred percent knew about it. Like, I mean, we, we talked about, you know, Donald Trump's track record in previous shows. Um Alyssa mentioned how around the same time he w- during his campaign rallies, he was uh, teasing the fact that they had this very like incriminating dirt on Hillary Clinton. It was almost like a, a big teaser. And he was like, don't worry, we got this. And even at one point in the campaign, he he made a remark where he was like very smug. and He was like, don't worry. I'm going to win. Like, it's just he he kind of was saying things that were very telling that he knew about it. So to me, I absolutely I think he knew about it because, I mean, uh, Donald Trump Jr. and senior, they talk very often. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, with his senior advisors and his campaign being Paul Manafort, uh, Jared Kushner and Donald Jr., being that they were all at this meeting and they worked very closely with Donald Trump and they were running his campaign. How could he not know? The question is, will Donald Trump Sr. be held accountable or will Donald Trump Jr. continue to stand in that gap to protect his father? Um, I mean, I think that remains to be seen. I would hope that eventually Donald Trump Sr. is held accountable. But we've talked about this before. That's really going to depend on Congress, because at the end of the day, as I've talked about when I did a quickie about it a couple weeks ago, um, it's very hard to indict a sitting president. Really, the way to get rid of a sitting president is through impeachment proceedings. And that is, at the end of the day, a political calculation. Um, So at some point, the Republicans in Congress are going to have to reach their breaking point. I mean, that's what you saw back during the Nixon administration. There became a point in time where um, Nixon's own party just could not keep defending him. And when they could no longer defend him, that's when the dam really broke. Um, And so that's really what I guess we're going to be waiting for here is how much how many more revelations have to come out that show that the Trump administration and Donald Trump himself and his campaign were in cahoots with the Russians before Republicans in Congress finally say enough is enough. Um, Because this is also affecting their legislative priorities, which is because this is constantly in the news and every day something else comes out that people are talking about, they can't get anything done. And we're going to talk about health care later on during the next segment and about how they keep pushing that back and pushing that back. But they have multiple other legislative priorities that they, not necessarily the president, but that Republicans in Congress want to get done from tax reform um, to health care to infrastructure to several other things. And they as, can't wait to... And, and as long as Donald Trump is president and this continues to be an issue, it's going to make it very, very difficult for them to get anything done. 
So that at some point they have to reach a breaking point. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Um, I don't know. So so he- I just think that you know this big this whole thing is distracting Republicans and stopping them from being able to take away affordable health insurance from millions of people and to to give tax cuts to the rich and also like sell the roads to private entities. <laughs> and because of that. I think they should be angrier, but go ahead, Selena. You know, that's a great point. It's actually stopping them from ruining our country and bringing destruction upon America, especially the working class. Right? Yeah. So they should be mad at Trump. But but here's the thing: from you know my from what I'm seeing, most of Trump's base is still very uh, supportive of him, and they don't care about these developments. They're not watching the scandal, and they think that Russiagate is a big hoax. So no one, these constituents aren't really holding these uh, congressional leaders accountable because they don't care about it themselves. You know, and then they have the gall to call us problematic because we keep bringing up the fact that this is a big issue. Number one about that, Ronald Reagan would literally be rolling over his grave right now if he knew what was going on um, because, you know, Ronald Reagan was aggressively anti-Russia and knew that the Russian government was trying to influence the West because they want to become the number one superpower in the world. And by doing this, they've actually gotten some of what they've wanted. I mean, they've decreased America's role in the world. We see that coming out of the G20 summit and the fact that a lot of the other countries at the G summit, G20 summit were shunning America because of our new stance on climate change. So they're getting what they want out of having done what they wanted, what they wanted to do. Um, But the other part about that is Just imagine for a second that Hillary Clinton would have done this thing. Imagine that Hillary would have gotten elected and that information thereafter would have come out that Hillary colluded with another government in order to convince people to vote for her and essentially become the president on fraudulent grounds because that's exactly what's going on and you know that republicans would be up in arms about it like they would literally get so upset that their hair would probably burst into flames like so i mean the, like there's also just a level of hypocrisy to all this because um you know what's good for the goose apparently is not good for the ga- good for the gander but i mean that really shouldn't surprise anybody because like we're talking about a group of people that literally is hypocritical all the time absolutely so Here's a question I have for you guys. Like, obviously, we're on the left and we are up in arms about uh, the latest developments surrounding Russiagate and Donald Trump Jr.'s uh, email scandal. But the question I have for you guys, if you're listening, you can chime in via Facebook and you guys on the panel. If the Trump campaign actually revealed that Hillary Clinton was dangerously unfit to run our country and realize and 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 revealed that she was somehow uh, involved in things that would have hurt us or hurt specifically our demographic uh and and would have actually if this email scandal with trump and russia would have done a service for our country do you think that we would have had we would have a different reaction here i'd still vote for hillary over trump but so that you wasn't would, the question, though. Yeah. So so, but do you think we like if it would have saved us from you know voting for her, and we all would have been like, thank God that you know Hillary wasn't elected. Even though we have Trump, we really know what Hillary was doing. Do you think we would have the same reaction? Um, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess it depends whether it was actually something that I would really want to be concerned about, or if, whether it was right. just some like made up. Bogus no, if Republican it was something you were concerned scandal. about. 
Yeah, if it was seriously something that I was concerned about, I obviously think that would make me rethink it. I mean, I wouldn't have necessarily voted for Donald Trump. Um, I mean, it would have that. That's a really hard question to answer because I don't know what the information um, was. I think a better question or a more interesting question is: is if we found out that, like, let's just say, and this is all hypothetical, and I don't want to get too far away from the topic, but like, let's say we found out that, um, you know, there was information that Donald Trump got, and that the Trump campaign did this whole thing, um, and but instead. Instead of helping Donald Trump getting elected like it did, it actually helped Hillary get elected, right? It backfired on them. Then would we be mad about it? Would we be as mad if we knew that Trump administration did something shady that backfired at them and actually helped Hillary? Yes. I don't, even if it was collusion with the Russians. I, I, would, I wouldn't be mad, but I'd be pushing to learn more so we can get, get some Republicans out as well. That's the one thing I'm hoping for. I don't really ho- care if Donald Trump gets nabbed, but I'm hoping that Mike Pence and Paul Ryan get caught up in this. Absolutely. So just to answer Alyssa's question and my question, honestly, I think my outrage wouldn't have been as passionate, but it still would have been at the same level. Here's why. This is an attack on our democracy, regardless of the fact of who's being incriminated, whether it's the right or it's the left, it's Trump or it's Clinton. The fact that we there are people in our government who may have allegedly colluded with Russia, a frenemy of the states uh, to to get this evidence. First of all, Russia, this is not the only country that they've been working with to get people elected. They've been doing this in France and other countries. So it is concerning and alarming no matter who's doing it, because it basically weakens our democracy and it weakens our government and it shows the United States like, hey, we aren't that big, bad and strong. All it takes is a couple of emails and a couple of meetings with Russian officials to get them at this point. No, I think that's a fair comment. And I think that's what's really the biggest issue about all of this, which is that, as you mentioned at the beginning, the reaction to getting an email like this should have been no, thank you. I'm calling the FBI. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. the fact and, and this speaks, though, to their to the you know, this really goes back to the ethics and the way that the Trumps have done business their entire life, that they really don't realize that there's an ethical and moral code that you need to follow in these things. And so now when they're getting involved in government, though, that ethical and moral code that, you know, most people would follow in their day to day dealings. Um, which in terms of the government can actually translate into things that are unlawful, they don't realize that those things are unethical or immoral and actually maybe illegal when it comes to the fact that you're now running the government. But that speaks to the way that the Trumps have done business their entire lives, which is they clearly have not taken into account ethical or moral considerations when doing business. Otherwise, Donald Trump Jr.'s reaction wouldn't have been, if it is what what you say it is, I love it. It would have been, why is a Russian foreign government contact me. I'm an American citizen. I care about Americans and I care about my country. Um, you know, but obviously, you know, this is just like anything with the Trumps where they always were looking for the best deal. And to him, this seemed like the best deal. So it didn't matter which moral or ethical considerations came into play. He just wanted to get the best deal out of it. Has no one from the Trump administration ever watched Rocky Four? Drago! <laughs> like you don't trust Russians. I just don't. I mean, like not all Russian I mean, people. I'm not Vladimir like Putin racist. is a former KGB guy. Yeah, like Drago. Like Drago is like. Oh my God, they are just so ridiculous. Now the question I want to ask you guys is: He's not losing his base. Eighty-five percent of Republicans still support him and his agenda, and Republicans in office are they? They, they do not care. No one's making a big fuss about this. Jared Kushner still has a security clearance. He's still getting top secret information from like that that all of our government information. And he could be feeding it to Russia and no one is saying anything. Why? 
well, people on the left are. You can't hold us. You can't say that about us because we are definitely holding him accountable here. This is something that's very alarming to us. It's those on the right. I honestly think that people on the right, especially in Trump's base and people who voted for him, they will not care about any unethical involvement that Trump happened to uh, be involved with until it affects their pockets. Until they actually repeal the Affordable Care Act and they start losing their benefits and coverage and until taxes go up and they see that coal jobs aren't coming back to their communities, then they're going to care. They don't care about Russiagate. What they care about are the campaign promises promises that Trump said on the trail and that was I'm going to bring jobs back I'm going to bring prosperity back and I'm going to help bring racism your- back sorry and, and I'm going to bring racism back that's what they care about they don't care about scandals they're like look first of all they probably think that the government is corrupt anyway so do. so they're like you know what you know politics is a dirty game and if you're going to get involved whether you're on the left or the, or the right you're going to have to get your hands dirty so they don't care right and I I would agree with everything that Selena said and I would say that you know they're in this pack mentality and that you know pack mentality is really hard to break we see this um just in terms of other things like you know groupthink uh, really gets people and when people start engaging in groupthink and listening to each other they're basically circle jerking each other to the point where the only thing that they believe is the stuff that comes out of their own bubble and the left is not immune to this either as we've discussed on other occasions um but my thought is when is this going to really change yes i agree with selena that it will change when it impacts their own pockets but in terms of the politicians i think it changes when it starts affecting their ability to get reelected. So if Trump is going to help a, uh, a certain politician get reelected by staying with Trump, um, then that politician is going to continue to play to their base and they're going to continue to support Donald Trump and they're not going to turn against him. But when people in their uh, uh, constituencies start showing up at town hall meetings and showing up at their offices and calling and emailing and saying that this is problematic and not just people who vote Democrat in their um, respective counties, but you know people who also vote Republican start coming to them and saying, I'm a Republican and this is not my Republican Party and this is how how I think things should be done and this is wrong. Um, And they then start to think like, oh, wow, if I don't come out against Donald Trump, I may actually lose reelection. That's when I think things will change. And that's going to be different from county to county because in some counties, there's going to be strong group think support of Trump no matter what. And the politicians are going to have to stick with him in order to get reelected. But in a lot of places, at some point, that that dam is going to break and politicians are going to realize that running with Trump is no longer effective and that they're going to have to join the resistance too. So we have a question on Facebook Live that is coming from Darren Mack. He says, is there anything people could do moving forward in this political era? How about mobilizing to change Congress in the upcoming elections? That's the question from Darren Mack. So Darren, that's a really good question. Uh, Yeah, you can do that. And then also, this Russia story is very important. Obviously, we're talking about it. But don't lose focus on the, the, the act of tangible things that Republicans and Donald Trump are doing, like trying to take health care away from 45 million people, like trying to make it harder to pay your student loans back, like trying to make it more expensive to go to college, and like giving funding to private prisons. We can fight those things now because the Russia thing, it's, it's slow going. Some weeks you'll get like huge news, and then you'll go weeks without hearing a thing. But there are actual 
this actual damaging things this administration is trying to do right now that you can fight, Alyssa? Right, yeah, and I'll add two things to that. Number one is remember that all politics is local. Um, and so, yes, there's a lot of things, as Stanley also point, already pointed out, that you can do in terms of the resistance, in terms of contacting people who represent you in the federal government. But also realize there's a lot we can do right here on the ground. For example, um, and this is just an example, like the NYPD had said that you don't get deported for turnstile jumping. That's not true. You actually can be deported from turnstile jumping. So you can call your local officials if you live here in New York and you can say, hey, listen, I don't think we should arrest people for turnstile jumping anymore because that puts them at risk for deportation. I think that maybe we should just issue them like a civil ticket. And so you can put, um, you know, you and, and, and there's other issues with civil tickets that I don't want to get into right now, but you can put pressure on your local elected officials here um, to engage in policies that will essentially resist the Trump administration. The other thing you need to do is continue to mobilize for 2018. The most important thing for 2018 is going to be the midterm elections and getting out and voting. The Democrats have a real chance to take back the Senate in 2018 and may actually, and it's going to be very, very difficult because of gerrymandering, but may actually have a chance to take back the House as well if we have a wave election. But that's not going to happen if people don't take this mobilization of the resistance and turn it into votes come fall of 2018. So that's a really big part of that. Selena? Absolutely. No, I mean, guys, uh, that pretty much sums it up. There's a lot that we can and should do. Number one, it starts by paying attention. Number two, it starts by spreading the word. If you happen to have some friends on the right, have these discussions. Let them know why this is so damning and concerning and how this, you know, rather they don't feel the impact uh, directly, let them know how this impacts the fact of America and our democracy, you know, just have these conversations uh, casually and try to explain to them so that they can come on board. And I, I think that we definitely need to pay attention to 2018, as you guys both mentioned, and what we're going to take action. So even if they nobody from the administration is held accountable, we know that they could be facing up to five years in prison, but Donald Trump is always like in courts and he always manages uh, to, to win and to avoid uh, real severe uh, repercussions. So I do not believe that anything is really going to happen to them. But you know what? What we could do is make sure that we get them out in 2020 and definitely start working on taking back Congress in 2018. And, you know, Donald Trump is horrible. Paul Ryan is horrible. They're all bad. They all stink. But the reason that people like them can come into office... And the reason that someone like Hillary Clinton, a candidate that was very qualified, but that a lot of people didn't like, can run for office with pretty much no one challenging them, is because the good people, the people who are listening to the show right now, the people who are out volunteering their time at their church or in their communities, they don't want to run for office. They feel so disgusted by it. And, you know, as long as you're disgusted by it and you stay away from it, it empowers disgusting people to run the process. One of, the, one of the strategies of the Trump campaign was literally to make people feel that politics was so dirty and demoralizing that they just didn't even want to participate in the process. That was their strategy, and it worked. It worked. Black and Latino turnout was lower than it had been in eight years. A lot of people didn't come out just because they felt so disgusting about it. But what if we had some good people? What if the Darren Max? What if the Selena Hills? What if the Alyssa Fuchs? What if the Jackie Collins decided that one day, hey, I'm going to run for office. What about you? No, God, no. Um, <laughs> what, did, what, if, what if those people stood up and they decided, I'm going to run for a school board. I'm going to join a county committee. I'm, I'm going to run for city council. That would begin to change the process, not right away, but we could transform it. Stop letting horrible people run the government. Because as long as they do, the government will always be flawed. 
And if it's not flawed, it'll be full of Trumps and Paul Ryans and Paul Manaforts. And that's the bigger message. That's the bigger picture in all of this. Like, we're being run by a whole bunch of people who don't care about any of us. And because we feel dirty, they get the rise. So with that being said, guys, we're going on a quick break. When we come back, it'll be the news roundup. Let's try to change the world a little bit. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. I am still alive, barely, but I'm making it through the show because I care about the two people in this room, not Selena or Alyssa, my phone and my wallet. And if you just tuned in, this is the News Roundup, where we talk about our favorite news stories throughout the week, things that made us laugh, cry, curse, or even flip a table. And my partner, Selena Hill, and Alyssa Fuchs will help me with that. So, um, I want to start off the news roundup talking about Jay-Z's 4044 tour, which Alyssa scored some tickets. I'm going to the best concert, too, the one in Brooklyn. Right, Barclay Center. Yes. So, Alyssa got some tickets over there. I want to talk about it because there was so much controversy. So, two weeks ago, we did a great show on uh, Jay-Z's 44 album and, you know, how it really talked about social consciousness, financial freedom, and economic empowerment for the black community so and we know that the messages that jay-z were uh, was really pushing in this album was save up and invest in things where you can get a return on your investments uh, and make sure you pay attention to your credit but then he sells these tickets for astronomical prices which would probably hurt a lot of his fan base especially those who happen to be working class who love jay-z but would you know it would probably put a little dent in their pockets like stanley to buy a ticket kill jay-z <laughs> But, but, you but, know, but, like, but there's but, a reason so, behind that. But, so, so the question I have, like, there was a lot of controversy around it. What did you guys think? Do you think that Jay-Z is being hypocritical by selling tickets for his tour that happen to be very expensive? Well, first of all, Jay-Z puts on amazing concerts. That's one. That's true. Two, he's literally the Michael Jordan of rap. The best rapper ever. Period. End of sentence. And three, the tickets are not that expensive. The resales were expensive. People don't know how to search Ticketmaster. You could have got tickets for 50 bucks. Yep. Those sold out pretty quickly, though. No, yeah, they, they didn't. No. I mean, they did and they didn't. But what I'll say is this, right? There's a financial cost to putting on a tour. You know, p- musicians don't always make a lot of money from touring. You have to pay for the venue. You have to pay for security. You have to pay for a whole number of things. You have to pay for all the mu- all the people. Like, um, I have a friend, and what he does is he's like a stagehand, and he sets up the stages and the lighting for all of these shows. Um, you have to pay for people to do that. You have to pay for all the trucks to move your equipment to every single tour location like there are significant financial costs involved to putting on a tour so in order for jay-z to make back at least a little money um and to get a return on his investment into doing this show he has to charge a certain amount of money for the tickets that's capitalism if we have a problem with that then really the issue is with capitalism and the way things are done in this country in terms of how money is made and not so like because otherwise he would be spending all this money to put on a tour and he wouldn't be making anything back in fact he'd be losing money and there'd be no point for him to put a tour on if you can't uh, respect that you hope your whole perspective is whack maybe that's why i'm afraid the black and, and you know what I, I think that if we were really paying attention to some of the underlying themes in his new album it was all about capitalism we spoke about that here and let your voice be right. heard and this is how it works and he has said it a number of times i'm not a businessman i'm a businessman let so, me handle my business man. Right, exactly so I, I think that he's just he's actually taking his own advice 
And if you can't afford these tickets, don't right, buy them. I don't you don't buy them. And basically what he's saying is get like me, save up that money, investing, invest in something that will uh, give you a return, whether that be the stock market, real estate, art, anything. So I think he's saying, look, I'm leading by example. I'm not trying to give out handouts or I'm not trying to really like help you guys out. I, I'm just I'm being a capitalist and I suggest that you you guys do that as well. You know, what's more important than complaining about Jay-Z tickets. Credit. Nah, get a damn job. No, I don't know. Um <laughs> Well I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying, I'm trying. Um all yeah, right, I got, I got some good stories for you this week. Okay. So um I I don't know where I should start. You know what? I'll start with my favorite story this week, which is there's um, a marijuana shortage going on in Nevada. And so Nevada actually is the most recent state to legalize marijuana. Um, and they actually have a Republican governor whose name is Brian Sandoval. Um, and last week he endorsed an emergency measure that is designed to increase the flow of marijuana to the state's 47 licensed retail outlets. Um, and the reason for this is because these retail outlets have had lines around the door uh, from people who want to buy legal marijuana. Um, but because they did not issue enough marijuana distribution licenses right away. The state only issued a few of them. There was not enough people that were able to grow marijuana or able to actually distribute the marijuana. And so the Republican governor, who is a moderate, who actually was thinking pretty reasonably here, um, came out and said, oh my God, well, you know, we have a demand and uh, we don't have enough supply. And so that means we need to hand out more licenses so that more marijuana can enter the market um, because otherwise people are just going to go back to the black market and we don't want them to do that because <laughs> We are getting lots and lots of taxpayer money off of the legalization of marijuana. It really is a black market. Right? And, uh, um, and so this is very interesting because this is the first time that um, a, a governor or a, a government has actually done emergency measures in order to increase the flow of marijuana, which means some lead some uh, lend some legitimacy to the fact that marijuana really is becoming a real commodity that is going to be bought and sold in our free market capitalist system. Um, on the other hand, Jeff Sessions announced this week that they want to push back on that. Um, and so funny enough, there's now a coalition of conservative 10th Amendment states rights uh, Republicans and liberals that come from states that marijuana is legal, that want to work together to push back on the federal government and say, no, Jeff Sessions, you are not allowed to crack down on legal marijuana in places where states have made it legal. So yeah, Jeff, interesting things going on in the marijuana legalization fight. Well, Jeff Sessions, you know, for someone who hates the black market, keyword being black, he seems to be trying to push people back to the black market. So I don't know what his thoughts are on that on are. But um just a point sorry, the point that I want to make though that I've been thinking about a lot is what I still worry about is how many people of color are being able to enter this industry. Selena? You, Stanley, I'm so glad you asked that question because cannabis is definitely... My favorite rapper. Uh, <laughs> really? I didn't know that. Yeah, you never heard cannabis this... Of course I heard, Stanley, of course I heard. I just didn't know that was your favorite rapper. First of all, Jay-Z is your favorite rapper. Yeah, he is. I just, it was a good pun. It wasn't... Okay, but it wasn't true. <laughs> Facts don't matter, Stanley? No, they do not. Okay, Donald Trump. He's my favorite rapper. Um, hold on, guys. Back to the cannabis. So, yeah, so you know what? There has been an ongoing effort to get people of color involved in cannabis because, you know, not only are a lot of people of color consumers, but this is a growing market. And I actually had the privilege to do an interview with three women of color who started a cannabis uh, media company, lifestyle branding company, and also just like a very informative company to cannabis enthusiasts. Uh, and, and it talks about how people of color can get involved. Now, these women, it's Sarita Wright, 
uh, Kaylee Wilder and Safan Floyd. And I did a full interview with them. And they talked about why you need to start investing now because this is the future. And I know I've been speaking to people who do not use cannabis but are like, I'm going to start investing my money in here because in five to ten years, you are going to see great returns. So that's advice that I would give. You don't have to be a user to invest. Right, Alyssa? That's correct. So maybe we should be doing some workshops in the community that shows people how to get like the proper licenses for like weed dispensaries what well, do you need for that i you mean in new york it's basically so in new york that's not really going to happen because in new york like we have a, only a medical marijuana market and our medical marijuana market in new york is extremely restricted and limited and if i'm not mistaken the government has already given out all the permits that they are going to give out for it but what we can do is educate people on how if they want to invest in a marijuana business in a place where it is legal like california colorado nevada like there's plenty of other states and you there's see. also what we're calling well, D.C. is an ex- is different because D.C., they can't sell it anywhere recreationally. D.C., it's decriminalized, which means you can give it away, um, but you can't sell it and you can walk around with it and smoke it. But there's no actual legal market um, oh. in D.C. like there is in these other places. So I'm talking about states where there is a marijuana market, a legal market or an emerging marijuana market. Um, yeah, we could we, we could we would need to get lawyers from those states to come in and teach people about the legal requirements um, and how they go about getting the licenses. Um, and how you can fundraise to raise capital to start this kind of business. So there's definitely things we can do. In fact, um, just two weeks ago was the big cannabis industry um, uh, forum at the Javits Center. We could have potentially um, had community scholarships to, to pay the money because it was very expensive to go to that forum to give people tickets to go to that forum so they could learn stuff about the marijuana industry. So there are definitely things that we can do um, here in New York to help people potentially get involved in the marijuana industry. Um, that said, just to address one last thing about that, based on your comment, Stanley, is the biggest thing that's keeping people of color out of the marijuana industry, aside from lack of capital, is criminal convictions, which is unfortunately in a lot of places um, where it is legal. If you've ever been convicted of a crime, even if it's a low-level marijuana offense, you are essentially barred from being able to obtain that license. And so that's something we really need to talk about is, you know, wh- you know, so obviously, you know, because of our skewed criminal justice system, the majority of people in that boat are men of color, right? And so they're getting screwed out of being able to engage in this legal business because of the fact at one point in time they sold marijuana illegally. Well, guess what? Plenty of white people have too, and they're not getting closed out. So that's something we really need to work on. Um, no, absolutely, Alyssa. Thanks so much for breaking that down. I did want to sh- shift gears a little bit to talk about a fun but weird news story. Stanley is our resident sports expert i guess if you want to call him that stanley what is going on with floyd mayweather and floyd Floyd mayweather and connor like all i see are these little clips of him making racially derogatory remarks about him having like black body parts and him saying calling floyd mayweather a boy and then him calling black people dancing monkeys and then i see floyd mayweather throwing money on him like he was a stripper so i'm like stanley you're you've probably been following this more than i have what's going on so floyd mayweather uh Someone who's been charged for, pardon me, someone who should, who is an alleged woman beater, and I use alleged very loosely. And <laughs> at least um, you use it. The white guy who I, who I don't know well and don't care about. He's Irish. Yes, the racist guy who I don't know about or care about are doing this match. The white guy is an MMA fighter. Floyd Mayweather is probably one of the, the best boxers of our time, and they're going to go into a boxing and fight because Floyd Mayweather owes $29 million in back taxes. <laughs> Because in all those pictures he took of like holding money and giving stacks of money, he never had a bank account apparently, and he didn't pay his taxes properly. So now they're fighting. They're going to be this, do this big fight for like three hundred million each, 
and they're trying to just get some like some 300 million dollars each let me ask you is this trash talk that sort of has borderline racist parts to it that, that Selena mentioned um, or definitely has racist parts to it like is this just part of the show um, yeah. or for them to get people involved in this match That's or is exact- like this guy actually a racist no I mean he might be, he a, might racist. be a racist like there's always potential for racism with white people That's so true. like there's always that but no they're actually friends they took a jet together after the weigh in are you kidding me so this is all like like this is like the WWF. Remember that? I mean, they used to like pretend. All to find of stuff life like is that? now like the WWF. <laughs> Donald Trump is president. <laughs> You're right. Okay, so should we? So why is there so much hype if it's fake? I'm gonna watch a fight. People don't know. Most people don't know it's fake. I just have oh. to like. But um, I'm gonna watch a fight because I want to see. Um, I'm. This is one time I'm looking forward to a meal with a fight. So I have a good story that that is also about a fight. Um, so that we can transition and switch gears. So apparently Donald Trump's lawyer, Mark Kazowitz, who's a real tough New York City lawyer, um, he threatened an e- uh, threatened a stranger in an email. I cannot say what he said on the radio, but apparently Rachel Maddow was discussing a story about Mark Kazowitz, um, and then a man emailed him and urged him to resign, and Kazowitz actually responded to the email by telling the, the this person, watch your back be. <laughs> was that a threat? Uh, yeah, and there were some other <laughs> threats included in this as well. Apparently, oh, no. he's the lawyer. Doesn't he supposed so? to know? Be- no, Alyssa, did, like seriously. All he did was respond and say, "You better keep that same energy in this email when you see me in person, beloved." That's all he did. Is he like a gangster? Like I don't understand why he like clapped back at him like that. Yo, okay, well, I'll give you the whole thing. It. Although I will not curse on the radio. So apparently, the man who is a retired public relations professional in the United States um, sent the lawyer an email email with the subject line resign now Kazowitz replied with a series of angry emails sent between 9 30 and 10 o'clock p.m one read i'm on you now you are effing with me now let's who who you are watch your back be <laughs> um and in another email Kazowitz wrote call me don't be afraid you piece of ish stand up if you don't call you're just afraid and then later Kazowitz wrote I already know where you live I'm on you we might what? as you might as well call me you will see I promise bro <laughs> That is so. All right, so that was incriminating, was it not? Like, do you think he'll face any repercussions for that? No, No. nobody faces (laughs) repercussions anymore under the Trump administration, unless they're black. If you're waiting for somebody to face repercussions, keep waiting forever. (laughs) And I also have the Brooklyn Bridge to sell you. Oh my God! I want to share this story because it's like one of the few stories I was able to see this week, besides Donald Trump being an idiot. So apparently, in Indiana. A guy was fixing an ATM machine and it closed and he got trapped in the ATM for like three days. <laughs> Stop. And then he was like yelling to get out and like he put a note out. Like he kept like sliding notes to the cracks because he left his phone there. And people thought it was jokes until somebody finally like looked at the note and was like, oh my God, someone's stuck in here. And they got him help. How do you get stuck in an ATM? <laughs> I don't know, Selena. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you know, so that's a little beyond me. These days. Um, well, I guess in, in uh, what I'll call our final story in news you already knew, um, but we have to tell you anyway. So Jeff Sessions, back to Jeff Sessions, is actually also under fire this week because he delivered a speech to an anti-LGBT group. On Tuesday night, he addressed the Alliance Defending Cre- uh, Freedom, which is a Christian law firm that advocates against LGBT rights. Um, the Justice Department refuses to release his remarks. 
Wow, I wonder what he said. I mean, what? yeah, that's why they won't release his remarks. I can't, you know. But I'm so, I know that was supposed to be the last story. Can I just add something really quickly? Go ahead. So last week we had a great conversation about Black China, Rob Kardashian, revenge oh, porn. Did you see her, her white woman wig? So, so basically, <laughs> all right. So basically, yeah. there have been new developments in this ongoing saga. I was Black China before Kim Kardashian. Knew right. Me. Yeah. No. So, so Black China is apparently holding the jewelry that Rob gave her hostage. Um. She said that she won't be giving that back. But Lisa Bloom, who is defending Black China, who has been on our show a number right, of times, Lisa. she says that was a gift and you and she has no right. She does not have to return the seven pieces of jewelry you gave her. That's true. It's well, true. that depends. That depends. Was it if it, Lisa if Bloom it, has spoken, Alyssa. Well, I mean, Lisa Bloom is her lawyer. And if I was her lawyer, I would say the same thing. But that depends how you classify that. If it actually was a gift, then Lisa Bloom is correct. She does not have to return it. Um, if it was something that he gave to her that was not just a gift, that was maybe something he got her, you know, to borrow or whatever, um, then that may be something that she had to give back at the end of the relationship. So that's something that I'm sure will get sorted out in a court um, if they cannot come to some kind of out-of-court settlement agreement prior to actually getting into litigation. Well, we'll continue to follow the Black China Rob Kardashian saga here and let your voice be heard all right guys so now we're gonna go on a quick break but don't go anywhere when we come back we'll be speaking about the new gop healthcare bill that was just rolled out and we'll probably and, and also rolled back because they're not even going to be able to take a vote on it anytime soon so don't go anywhere this is let your voice be heard and we are back this is let your voice be heard right here on whcr 90.3 fm the voice of harlem where we talk about politics social issues foreign policy and a lot of donald trump apparently uh, and we do that all from a millennial perspective i am your host selena hill i'm here with my co-host Alyssa fuchs and stanley fritz shout out to Jackie Cohen, who could not be with us here today, but she is here in spirit and hopefully on Facebook Live as well. All right, she is guys. not here on Facebook Live. <laughs> not, no, she tweeted us. She said that she's probably going to listen soon, and that probably means the podcast version. But all right, guys. So we are live here. Let your voice be heard. Um, we need to talk about uh, the new Senate Senate Healthcare Bill. So uh, just last night, it was revealed that. Um, the Senate will delay the votes on a bill to dismantle the Affordable Care Act. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell announced that because... Um John McCain is having some health effects or having some health issues. Um, they're they're gonna they're gonna hold off on it. But before he made that announcement, uh, about twenty less than twenty four hours ago, um, they presented a new bill on Thursday that w- it will be just as devastating as the first two bills. So before we get into how this new revised uh, the new revisions of this bill, let me just give you guys some history. So it wasn't too long ago when congressional GOP members tried to uh, promise to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. it's uh, Obamacare. The reason being because, obviously, President Obama was the one who employed this bill. And yes, it has. It's not a perfect bill. It needs some work. But they've been trying to get rid of it and gut it um, in its entirety. 
But they failed miserably their first time around and even the second time around. The first time around, they couldn't even get uh, to bring the bill to a vote in the House, which was pretty embarrassing. So but then, you know, it seemed like they were getting closer and closer. They kept working it out in the House and then it passed. It passed in the House. And now Republicans had a chance to uh, look at the bill. And they said, you know what? First time didn't work. The second time it didn't work. The third time is a charm. But is that true? Not really. So the Trump Care 2.0 bill if you guys remember it would have cut coverage for americans who had pre uh, pre-existing conditions uh the bill actually defined pregnancy rape and domestic violence as a pre-existing conditions um it also rolled back a number of taxes on rich people, uh, and it also planned to take away federal funding for Medicaid expansion by $800 million starting in 2020. Um, and on top of that, the CBO did not even, they, they rolled this out before the CBO even had time to predict how uh, devastating this bill would be, but they were basically just pushing it through and rushing through. This was 2.0. That was bad, right? So now they rolled out 3.0. So this uh, Senate, the revised Senate health care bill still makes very deep cuts to Medicaid. And, and I just want to point out that um, this is further than the Affordable Care Act. Like they're not even just cutting the revisions or the reg, uh, the things that Obama implemented when he, when he pushed the Affordable Care Act. They're taking it further by cutting Medicaid itself. Um, That's seven hundred and seventy two billion dollars worth of Medicaid cuts. Absolutely. Now, how long and over how, how long of a period? Um, I don't have that information right off the bat, but essentially, I even though we don't have a CBO score yet, I can tell you it probably will still kick about 20 million people off their health insurance. Right. Which is which is horrible. Uh, on top of that. Health insurers could bring back um, pre-existing conditions uh, again, um, and they can offer skimpier health care plans. That's a part of the revised plan. Uh, the updated Senate bill also allows people to use tax credits to purchase um, horrible coverage, which is not really a good thing. Uh, the updated bill would also let people use pre-tax dollars to pay for their premiums. That's different from the second, the second bill. And another thing that's different with this new bill is the Senate bill gets rid of most of the Obamacare tax cuts, but it keeps Two cuts on high-earning individuals. Which adds up to about $231 billion. But yet that money doesn't get redistributed back into Medicaid, which sort of doesn't make sense either. Right. No, absolutely. So like, so basically, it, it's not making sense. And, and guys, I want to start this conversation by getting your reaction about it. You know, a, a lot of people on the right are saying, Republicans, you had years, six years to come up with a better plan. You guys talked about we're going to repeal and replace. But everything they're rolling out seems like it's going to hurt more people, especially the constituents. So so what's going on with Trump Care 3.0? So what's going on is health care is complicated. You know, Republicans seem to think health care is so easy. The reason it was so difficult and why Obamacare is a 2,000 page piece of legislation is because health care is extremely complicated. There's a lot of ins and a lot of outs and a lot of moving parts. And so it's not just this easy thing that they can just repeal. And it's definitely not easy thing that they can just replace right off the bat. Um, and I think that's part of the thing, which is they overpromised and they underdelivered. And now they're in this position where they constantly want to change things and they constantly want to say they want 
want to reduce costs, but every cost measure or supposed measure that they're putting into place is not going to reduce costs. It may reduce the deficit, but that's because you're going to cut spending from the poor people, essentially. I mean, as you mentioned, and I'll just add to that, um, so they would get also a $408 billion savings because there was no longer be subsidies going to people who were not on Medicaid but who could not otherwise afford their insurance. That would mean that a whole bunch of people right now that have insurance that get a subsidy would not be able to afford insurance anymore. I already mentioned the cuts for Medicaid. Then you talk about the tax cuts. You mentioned a few of them, but there would no longer be the penalty payments, so that would be $210 billion in lost revenue, and there would be no more incentive for people to actually buy health insurance, which is what keeps healthy people in the market. That's the whole reason behind the individual mandate. They would cut $107 billion in insurer cuts. They would allow tax breaks for the, um, you know, even though they would keep taxes on $231 billion of high earners, they would cut taxes on the medical industry in one um, $192 billion. The only additional spending that was added into this bill is $45 billion for opioid treatment right. and $70 billion in state-based reforms, which is a fancy way of saying like block grants for Medicaid, which, uh, which we all know is problematic and really hurts poor and low-income people. The The obvious answer is to either fix the Affordable Care Act, not continue to sabotage it, or to go to single payer. But that's not an answer that Republicans like or will do. And so that's why we're stuck in the position we're in now. You guys got to understand what the purpose of repealing this bill is about. The only reason they want to repeal this bill is because they want to be able to give huge tax cuts to the rich. And also it helps them with their tax plan. They can't give the rich the kind of tax cuts they want unless they get rid of Obamacare. Then it makes it easier to put even deeper cuts for them when they make the when they reform the tax code. That that's the whole goal in this. And then also the, the the piece that we're not talking about is that the Affordable Care Act is the conservative answer to universal health care. That's true. Because it like inherit like it, it it's based off of the free market system. Yeah, it's a market based system. It actually makes it easier for insurance companies to get customers. So the reason that they don't have anything better is because Obama took the best thing they had. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the it was based on Mitt Romney's plan. That's true. Yeah, and and which was got which they got from the Heritage, Heritage Foundation. Foundation. Yep. So now you have these people who've just been yelling about it because the black guy did it, and they're being stuck, being held accountable for it, and they, they can't. So so let's just talk about what's really going on here because another reason why they're really pushing to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act is it's a symbolic it would give them a symbolic legislative victory I think, and they just want to be able to say like, hey, look what we got done. But you know, as Stanley just broke down. It, it, and Alyssa just broke down. There's abs- there's no way to repeal the Affordable Care Act uh, and, and, and and implement this new policy without hurting so many people. It's just no way to, to do this. And it's not viable. Well, so, so so what is it that they're trying? And they I'm, I'm pretty sure that they're, they're smart enough to know this. So what are well, they doing? Well, I told like they do want to give tax cuts, to tax breaks to the super rich. That's all that this is about. And there's a lot of pressure on them from people like the Koch brothers and Sheldon Adelson and a whole bunch of other people who are like, get this goddamn bill passed or we're going to have some problems. This is like, that's just what it is. And, you know, they've pretty much spent years brainwashing the supporters. They have propaganda outlets like Breitbart, Fox News, and New York Post telling these people to believe things that are not true. And now their base wants, they want results. 
And the, the, the craziest thing about this is their base are the ones that are going to lose health insurance. I mean, part of the reason why they had to increase funding for opioid thing is because you know which state has the highest problem with opioids and the, the biggest problem in the opioid crisis? It's West Virginia, which is where most of these constituents live. There are so many issues and so many poor people on Medicaid that are white that live in these low in these in these places in the middle of nowhere in the South and in the Midwest. So these this is like what I don't understand, which is why people People vote against their own interests. They don't understand how things work. And so they hear right now they're always concerned about redistribution. Well, this is redistribution. This bill just redistributes money from the poor people to the richest people instead of from the rich to the poor. So people are always so worried about, and in particular, these people who vote against their interests in poor white communities, um, they're always like, oh, we don't like socialism, we don't like redistribution. And what they don't realize is their tax money is literally getting redistributed upward to give a tax cut to the richest people. Um, you know, but I just, putting aside the policy details for a second, just wanted to talk about the politics of this, which is, I know they delayed it um, because they say McCain is not feeling well. But I also think that's sort of an excuse. And that's nothing against John McCain, um, because I really know that he did have, you know, he has to have a surgery, he has to recover. They're really delaying because they don't have the votes, which is they need at least 50 votes. And then Mike Pence would be the tiebreaker. If they lose at least, if they lose three senators, um, then they're screwed. Then they can't pass this bill. And what keeps happening is the more conservative they make the bill to appease people on the right, like Rand Paul, who says he won't vote for anything less than a full repeal, um, then the more they lose the moderates, like Susan Collins from Maine, who says, well, I can't support that bill. Um, and then the more they move the bill to the left a little bit to try and, um, you know, help the moderates out, the more they lose all the people on the right um, who say, well, we can't support this bill because it's not conservative enough. And this is their biggest problem, which is, you know, for all this talk about them being in charge and for all this talk about how they want to repeal and replace this and for the 37 plus mock repeal bills they did while Obama was in office, they can't actually get this done because they don't know how to govern because they can't get a plan that all of their people are going to agree on. And the hope is, at least from my perspective, that eventually they're going to realize this is never going to work. And instead, they're going to shift over. And some of them are going to start working with Democrats to get to a bipartisan bill on how we can actually fix the Affordable Care Act, because there are significant issues with it. But it should be noted that some of those issues have occurred because Republicans have been working hard to sabotage the Affordable Care Act where they can. Now, Absolutely. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for that for that breakdown. And I do just want to bring it da back down to the politics. Uh, you know, Alyssa made a great point. More than likely, a, a GOP health care bill, it, it doesn't seem viable. It doesn't seem like it would ever pass. But if it did pass, Stanley, how would it directly hurt or impact people right here in New York City? So in New York, New York City, about 1.1 million people would lose their health insurance automatically. New York State, about 2.7 million people. Um, all together, and that's kind of like a lowball number. That's the that, that's the number that Governor Cuomo office has put out so far. No, absolutely, and, and I appreciate that that breakdown, Stanley, because this is this is real, and they're literally pr playing with people's lives. I mean, you know, a lot of people, like Stanley mentioned, they, they have they have cancer or they have pre-existing conditions, and they need very expensive medication. And, and the reason, you know, the fact that medication here in the U.S. is so expensive is another issue that definitely needs to be discussed. But you know, the, the pharmacies have these have a skyrocket the prices, and the only way they can get access 
access to life-saving care is through uh, Medicaid, right? Uh, and and to to for the Republicans to just say we're we're rolling we're going to roll it back and we're going to give states more leverage to make these decisions like it, it feels like they're trying to package this in a way that's going to help their constituents and i'm not sure if their politics are, are, are working or not because it um a new poll actually shows that uh, a new poll actually shows that Repu- uh, most Americans now like the Affordable Care Act. Obama is no longer in office, and they say they also say that I think the federal government should be involved in uh, giving universal health care. So more people are on board with this now, right? And that means that really what the Republicans are doing is they're trying to appease the the rich, wealthy donors, the donor class. They're not trying to appease their constituents because, as you point out, their constituents actually like the health care bill. In fact, Kentucky Connect, which is Kentucky's version of the healthcare exchange, is extremely popular. And when you ask people in Kentucky if they like the Affordable Care Act and you call it the Affordable Care Act, overwhelmingly they say yes. It's only when you call it Obamacare that they don't, which speaks you know, volumes about racism and, and, and the hate towards Obama in this country. Um, but not to get aside from that uh, too far. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. There's definitely a lot of information to show that people actually like the bill they can you know they you know they they want to see the premiums uh level out but part of the reason why the premiums are not leveling out is because the health insurance companies don't have any certainty about what the government's going to do and when so the health insurance companies are uncertain about what's going to happen next year and whether or not they're going to be able to turn a profit they're thinking about raising their rates and raising people's insurance premiums because the market isn't stable but the market's not stable as i pointed out before because the republicans are messing with things and they're there's the the insurance companies need stability and right now there is no stability because they don't know what's going to happen at the end of the day as stanley points out like this is a huge market-based thing you know it's a big problem when we're having health care for profit and people on the right will say you know research and development and you know single-payer systems don't work because you don't get the medical advances that you get in america because there's no profit motive and you know there is a little bit of truth to that but not a ton um and at the end of the day that's the big problem when you have health care for profit then you put profit over patients and that's what's going on right now absolutely on that note we do have to take a quick break but don't go anywhere we will continue this conversation about the newest trump care bill health care 3.0 presented by senate gop stay tuned and and we are back and i you and know, <laughs> i can't even listen to the skirt sound effect without thinking of jay-z and how he called out rappers for like all making that sound and sounding alike on moonlight the new song uh, uh on his new album for 44 we stuck in la la is it 444 four, four? it is 444 four, four. what did i say 444 some people call it 444 some I mean, people think his music is bad too Anyway, so we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. When we left off, we were talking about the new health care plan that the GOP rolled out just on Thursday and how devastating it would be to not only the nation, but specifically to a lot of people here in New York City. Stanley gave some uh, some really damning numbers about um, how many people would immediately lose their health insurance right here in New York City. I think he said 1.8 million that's a lot 
1.1 million. 1.1 million uh, automatically. Uh, so when we were talking about that, we talked about the politics around this bill. We talked about the policy, how it's horrible. We also talked about why it's probably never even going to pass. And pass. And uh, Republicans eventually are going to probably have to work across the aisle with Democrats to just improve the not. Affordable Care Act. They will not. I, I don't want. I don't want to give. Like, I don't want to lie to anybody. You don't think that'll you know, ever happen? I, not I think I know it's not going to happen. Chris Christie hugged Barack Obama, and it destroyed his career. Granted, he was a horrible person in general. I mean, listen, sitting on a beach didn't help his career either. <laughs> I know, but and like, Bridgegate definitely did. I don't. That, like, I don't know about that. It was was the, that was Bridgegate. the beginning of the downfall, though. Yeah, sort of was. I can't even disagree Bridgegate. with that. Like, there's no way they're working with Democrats on anything. If you want to get a Republican to lose their seat, have them work with Democrats. They get in trouble for voting on increasing the debt limit. <laughs> We're supposed to do that. I mean, I'll slightly disagree with you there because there's at least two senators that have come out saying that if this does not go through and they don't really want it to go through, they're not going to vote for it, that they are interested or they have signaled that they're interested That's in working Democrats. They used to say that all the time but, Obama was president and then not do it. But here's the thing. They're coming from moderate counties. They're coming from places that like went for Clinton. It doesn't mean anything. They've been doing. They always say that. They always say, oh, I'll be open to working with Democrats well, because you don't want it to always seem like unreasonable. But they're not going to do it. If, if, if they really were serious about putting out a health care plan that was better than Obamacare, wouldn't the basic theory be to work with Democrats from the start? They have no interest in ever doing that. Right. When they were working on Obamacare, for those of you who do not know, first of all, it took a whole year for the bill to finally to actually get passed. They had public hearings. They met with Republicans. They showed them the framework. They had them add amendments. It was up for debate on the floor. None of those things are happening right now. Yep. And then now, if they lose this battle, you think... Uh, like seven or eight Republicans are going to go work with Democrats and then try to get a bill passed when, A, there's not enough Democrats and seven and a handful of Republicans to get any kind of like negotiated bill passed. B, it's definitely not going anywhere in the House. And then C, we have the orange man in the White House. Well, Stanley, it sounds like what you're saying is that would be political suicide. And that just speaks to how polarizing, how polarized our country has come to be, where we can't even get simple things, well, not simple, but things that would benefit the American people pass for the good of the American people. And it happens to be health care. It's like if you even try to work across the aisle and you're a Republican, you might, you're putting your career in jeopardy uh, because you're a constituent. And because of, you know, the rise of the Tea Party and people all the way to the right who refuse to be reasonable. So but uh, before we... Um we would talk more about that. I definitely want to make some time to talk about the Cruise Amendment, which is also a new part of this revised health care bill. Stanley? Yeah, so Ted Cruz originally said he wasn't going to support the Republican Senate bill because, you know, he had some problems with it. So then he wanted to include an amendment in there because he is a horrible p- person. And the amendment will pretty much make it so that states... So, like, he wanted to say, he, you know, it's... So pretty much one of the big pieces about the, the health care bill that people didn't like was the fact that it, it didn't cover pre-existing conditions. So the Cruz Amendment makes it that states like insurance companies do not have to provide it, like insurance for people with pre-existing conditions. And like they don't have to provide like essential benefits to anyone as long as there's, there's at least one plan in the state that provides it. Which means that all the people who need those things and all the poor people are going to go to that one plan, which is going to skyrocket the price. Right. And that leads back to the uh, concern about the junk plans, which is part of the re- part of the reason why the Obama administration did uh, health care reform to begin with is because what we had before that was just a completely market based system. A lot of people were unable to get insured. Um, and even if they could get insured, it was extremely 
really expensive. They couldn't afford it. And you also had a situation where health insurance companies would sell these health insurance plans that seemed to be affordable, but they wouldn't actually come with any coverage. And so you would have this health insurance plan that you'd be paying for, but then when you went to the doctor and you were trying to get um, health treatment, the doctor would say, oh, well, this isn't covered by your health insurance. This isn't covered by your health insurance. So it's basically like you had a health insurance plan, but it didn't actually cover anything that you needed or any of your care unless like you got into a car accident and like your half your torso got ripped off and you like you need like then it might cover something and so basically the Affordable Care Act set up um, a minimum amount of coverage that people had to uh, get and it said that plans have to cover certain minimum standards of care and certain things hospital trips um, like hospital trips and pregnancy and a whole bunch of other things and so a big re- thing that Republicans don't like about the Affordable Care Act is they say that by making every single plan cover all these things regardless of whether somebody may need these things like regardless of whether a man may need pregnancy care because you know like and that makes the plans more expensive and so not they want to cut back on these essential benefits and go back to letting health insurance um, companies sell these bare bones plans that don't actually cover anything Um, because even right now under the catastrophic plan which is the lowest level plan you can have on the exchange there's still a minimum standard of coverage so that's another big issue that we have right now which is um that if you know we go back to this era of junk plans people are going to have coverage but they're not actually going to have be able to get treatment you know what i remember those junk plans and and even though i was too young i i remember like hearing these conversations um, uh, hearing conversations about this amongst the adults in my life like my mom saying you know this isn't going to be covered like before you know we took a trip to the hospital it was like hold on is this covered and you basically had to put your health in jeopardy or risk because you weren't sure how much the bill was going to cost like i remember um back in like 2007 i had to take um a trip to the hospital and I took the um the ambulance and it was like $700 and then like people were like I, I was covered thank God but there were like a number of my friends who were like yo I would have had to drive there I could not afford to get in the ambulance yeah and Kyle Westbury the college Selena yes. I went to they would tell you they would give you cab fare to go to the hospital for two trips because if you took the ambulance it'd be like $2,000 right and that was ridiculous I and w- it- before sorry go ahead Selena before, well, before I, Obamacare, I, I didn't have a health insurance since I was maybe about 12 years old. And when I was in college, I had, I had an allergic reaction. I didn't know I, was, I had allergies. And I, I remember that. Hives, and I had to go to the hospital. They gave me a shot of Benadryl in the butt. You know how much the bill was? Three thousand dollars. I was gonna say a couple thousand dollars. Are you kidding me? Listen, I uh, you know I just got a bill from my kidney stone treatment from back in November, um, and even though my portion of the bill is only one hundred and fifty dollars, that's the copay. Like the bill for literally twenty four hour stay for kidney stones, like was well over ten thousand dollars, and my insurance covered that. Um, But just to give you another example, like the New York Times highlighted this woman whose name is Julie Arkinson, and she said that um, her plan that she had before the affordable Care Act. She used to spend twenty thousand dollars on medical care in the seven years before she was able to buy a plan through the market surgery, and it did not cover exams before and after her hip surgery. It did not cover her physical therapy. It did not cover the crutches that she needed while she recovered. It did not cover any of the medications. Like it literally paid for a yearly health checkup and a GYN exam. Yep. That's that's yep. literally all it covered. Yep. The flip side of that is when I lived in England, just mm-hmm. thinking, you know, and I actually was covered by their single payer system. I got sick and it wasn't terribly sick. Like I came down with like a, a sinus infection. It cost me 
18 quid or 18 pounds, which with the exchange rate worked out to about $36 for me to go to see the doctor and get the medication and everything. That was it. It was $36. Um, and I've talked about this before. Yes, they pay more money um, in their taxes. Their taxes are higher. But what they don't pay for in England is medical insurance. I mean, some people who are rich decide they want to pay for what's called a supplemental plan. But the majority of people that live in the UK just pay higher taxes and the higher tax that they pay are actually less than what they were paying when they were paying premiums and deductibles and co-pays. So single payer, although it's very complicated and we would have to have a real plan and that would take some time, would be the way that we can control costs and bring down the premiums and get universal coverage for everybody. We are the only country, we are the only civilized first world country in the world that does not have universal health care coverage. That is wrong. We should have it. We have to keep fighting for it. Yeah, but Republicans keep saying we don't want the government inside messing up our health care. And basically, I, I don't know how, but they're using this strategy and this propaganda and for a while now, especially during the Obama administration, uh, they, they were very successful in convincing people that you, the government will mess it up for you and you should be paying you outrageous know, I really, prices. I wish that our phones were working today because uh, if I'm sure that there's people listening in Harlem that will say um, that could hear us or in the Bronx that would say I'm on Medicaid and the health insurance I get through Medicaid is great and I wouldn't change that uh, for anything. Yeah, no, for at least one year, I got Medicaid, and it was a, by a complete mistake because I was getting Obamacare, and then I once I just realized that I had Medicaid, and they were like, well, it's a mistake, and you're just going to have to keep it. Do you, yo, I went to the doctor so often. I started going to the dentist. I was like, I got all of this health care, and like, I absolutely loved it. I, the only thing I'm mad about is that I didn't get my eyes checked because like everything was covered for such a small, minimal cost, and like it was a complete accident. I I had Medicaid for one year and it was the best insurance I ever had in my life. My now, can I just say, I went to the doctor last week, last Wednesday. I went to the dermatologist. I had a medical emergency. I walked out. You they okay? told me, no, Stanley, hold on. They told, I walked out. I've been going to this doctor for years when I had Medicaid and when I had, when I was covered under the New York exchange, I walked in there today. Now that I have a, a better job and I actually have Cigna, they were like, Oh, um, do you want to go any further? Because this trip is going to cost you $200 and then you're going to have to go pay for the medication. I left and I Googled home care remedies. That is what I had to do last week. Right. Because and that's exactly why people are going to die because of this Republican health plan. Yes. plan. So that's like, that people are going to die. Right, so that I'm trying to say, when it comes to personal testimonies, it's like I'm making more money, but I can no longer afford health care. So it's like I had to, I had to, I had to say I can't afford it anymore. And for republic to know that Republicans are going to make it even worse, it's very, it's very heartbreaking. Harboring is scary. Yes, it's scary. You remember when I got into the bike accident, and that yes. was the period between I had to switch jobs. So there's like no probation period, so I didn't have health insurance, and I got X-rays done. And, like, they had to do surgery because I broke, like, my toe and everything else like that. And the bill was, it was, like, $4,000. Like, and that's after I got my job to cover it. You know, I, I just want to say because the fact that medical expenses are so expensive in this country is outrageous in itself. Like, other pla other countries that have uh, better healthcare systems that are more affordable, I was, I was reading or listening to NPR, and they were saying that, 
there's not you know when they go to hospitals they don't have like these big fancy hospitals they don't spend like they don't have like artwork in the hospitals like like the hospitals don't look as nice they don't have marble floors but the, they have quality care but and they put more money and funding towards that healthcare shouldn't be that expensive it's also because the government negotiates directly with the health people uh, insurance not health insurance so the government negotiates directly with health health care providers and when the government negotiates directly then that causes prices to go down versus the free market controlling what the price is again this is all about profit right in america we put profits over people and that's a problem right um we are wrapping up this conversation i just wanted to give you guys 30 seconds to uh any final comment stanley on what we need to do moving forward so that we can fight for our right to health care so really there are we just need five Republicans to refuse to say no to this. And if they do, if we can do that and make it to August, then we can probably win this fight. Because right now, Republicans are trying to vote on this on reconciliation, so they only need 51 votes. But if we get past that period, then they need, they're going to need support from Democrats, which they are not going to get. And it makes the bill pretty much dead in the water. So call Suzanne Collins, um, Angela Merkel, and a couple... A couple Angela of Merkel? <laughs> Don't call Angela Merkel. No, don't, don't, don't do Angela that. I mean, listen, I would agree with that, and I'll just reiterate what I already said. In America, we put people over profits. It's problematic, and we have to stop doing that. So call your senators, like Stanley was saying, and tell them to vote against this bill because this bill is only going to continue to put people over, uh, sorry, profits over people and continue to be problematic. Absolutely. And, no, and I would just wrap things up by saying, yo, you guys are absolutely right. Take action. Even if you don't live in Maine, uh, you, if you have family members or if you have people People following your social media that may be from these uh, different um, states. Get the word out there and let them know that we have to fight for our health care. It doesn't matter if you're on the left or, or the right. We are we, we would all suffer under Trump care 3.0. So we definitely need to continue to fight. And I think that if you're on the left, we need to definitely stay active because Republicans, they're trying to push their agenda. You know, luckily, they are distracted by the many scandals of the Trump administration. So that's keeping them back from from pushing any uh, legislation at this time but don't don't get it twisted they are actively trying to push things that would help the wealthy people in our country but hurt people like you and i so stay up stay aware of what's going on and spread the word on that note we do have to say goodbye for now but we're coming right back we we have to take a break for now but we're coming right back Alyssa has a quickie guys (laughs) sorry i'll be right back sculpted by the sculptor Oh, she don't see the light that's shining And we are back. So my name is Alyssa Fuchs. I am here with your quickie. Um, and I'm going to tell you all about predatory colleges, Betsy DeVos, and this rule change um, that potentially has the ability to affect a lot of students in this country that were misled by for-profit colleges. Um, and this lawsuit that has now been filed uh, by the attorney generals of 18 states. So the attorney generals of 18 states and the District of Columbia, which is Washington, D.C., are suing the U.S. Department of Education and Secretary um, Betsy DeVos over a rule that was going into effect or supposed to go into effect on July 1st that would protect student loan borrowers. Um, the Education Secretary DeVos announced a quote unquote reset of the rule known as the borrow def- borrower defense to repayment on June 14th. 
The issue is students' obligations to repay a loan when the colleges are found to have committed fraud, misled the students, or otherwise violated a state law. For example, in July of 2014, Corinthian College, a for-profit chain of colleges with 70,000-plus students at more than 100 campuses, stopped operating under a regulatory crackdown when it was shown that they had been committing fraud. And so all these students that took out student loans to go to Corinthian College um, now were saying, like, well, we should have to pay back our student loans because we were misled. Uh, another place where this happened was ITT Tech. Um, they had nearly 40,000 students and they were shut down in 2016 for the same reason. So under existing federal laws, uh, they uh, these laws allow borrowers to apply for loan forgiveness if the borrower attended a school that misled them or broke state consumer protection laws. Uh, although this was rarely used, the system is now overwhelmed by applicants because so many of these for-profit colleges have collapsed, and that has led tons and tons of students to be stuck with student loan debt, um, out, which is out of their control for educations that they did not really get because they were misled. Corinthians collapse alone led to more than 15,000 student loan discharges with a balance of $247 million that is going back to taxpayers. Um, before Obama's term ended, his administration took up the task of clarifying and simplifying the borrowed defense. Um, this rule, as I said, had long been on the books, but so many students um, became on the hook for millions of dollars worth of loans uh, from now defunct institutions that the Obama administration was trying to help these students out. So after two years of negotiations, the Obama administration came up with a final rule, and they announced that at the end of October, right before the election in November. And this rule allowed for automatic relief when a large number of students were affected by a college shutdown. And it made it much easier for these for these students to be able to recoup the money um, and to get out of paying their student loans. It required the colleges that were under regulatory scrutiny to put up collateral to share in the cost of making uh, students whole in the event that these colleges shut down and it banned students from making so I'm sorry it banned schools from making students sign arbitration agreements which raved their rights to be able to bring a class action lawsuit in case of misconduct um, what that means is in some cases schools did not want their students to be able to bring large class action lawsuits which could open them up to big liability so they made them sign papers saying that they weren't allowed to sue that they could only go to arbitration um, and now all of that is on pause. So in her announcement of this reset, DeVos said that last year's rulemaking process missed an opportunity to get it right because the process unfairly put taxpayers on the hook for significant amounts of money. She's actually right that taxpayers are on the hook for some of this money because if the student does not have to pay back their loan, then somebody has to pay it back. And so the taxpayers end up having to eat the money. Um, really, who should be on the hook are these for-profit colleges that took all the money, and that's part of the issue. Um, but what's really going on is now there are 16,000 pending claims that need to be processed. Now, those ones that are already pending, they're going to be processed. But what's going to happen is the people who have not yet filed a claim are essentially not really going to be able to right now. And so now they're going to have to continue to pay their students loan money back until such time as the government decides to let this rule go forward or comes up with another solution. Um, the lawsuits actually allege that the department has violated federal law by suddenly and unilaterally axing this rule without taking into account uh, the students, you know, 
feelings about what would happen and allowing them to lay in. Um, and the filing asked the United States District Court to declare the delay unlawful and to order the agency to immediately implement the Obama era rule. The states say that they have pursued costly and time investive investigations and enforcement actions, and therefore they have the right and they have standing to bring this lawsuit because these for-profit colleges violated consumer protection laws in their states. Um, There is also a parallel lawsuit where for-profit colleges have actually brought a lawsuit saying that the Obama administration over um, went their authority to be able to create this rule to begin with. And so they're saying that the Obama administration never had the authority to create this rule. This obviously makes a complicated situation because now the rule is being reset, which may make these other lawsuits moot, meaning they they may not be viable. Um, But at the same time, this is a complicated legal situation. There's going to be a lot more that comes out of it. So stay tuned uh, because I have a feeling this is something that we are going to address as part of a longer segment on Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio sometime in the very near future, especially as this lawsuit or both of these lawsuits continue to move forward. Thank you so much, Alyssa, uh, for for breaking that down for us. We also want to thank everyone who tuned in to Let Your Voice Be Heard today. Thank you for the comments on Facebook and Twitter. And you know what? I think if we can, (laughs) if we leave this show with anything or or nothing else, I think we need to pay attention to our government, guys. Because, you know, regardless of the, the scandals and all these new developments, which suck up a lot of our energy and suck up a lot of press time uh, when it when it comes to the media. Uh, we also need to pay attention to what this administration is really doing when it comes to health care and even what uh, Secretary uh, U.S. Secretary uh, Betsy DeVos is doing. You know, if we aren't really watching them, they're going to start slipping these devastating um Either or or, or leg, uh, devastating legislation or changes that really are going to hurt us. Uh, it's going to start slipping through the cracks. So we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention to RussiaGate. We need to pay attention to healthcare. We need to pay attention to our education system because if not, we will all be in jeopardy on that note guys thanks so much for tuning in remember you can subscribe to us on itunes stitcher google play and iheart the name is let your voice be heard you can also check us out on the web the web we ha- it's dope stop it Stanley. he's laughing at me but you can check us out at lyvbh.com that's the acronym for let your voice be heard we'll be back here next sunday god willing happy sunday guys I could give a thousand reasons why